Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, as always, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get in to today's jam-packed episode, week one preview of Jacksonville Jaguars, Washington Commanders. As always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline, with the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and yes, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting to prop bets and futures bets. So head on over to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E. AV50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's jump right in to today's episode. A lot to get to. This is going to be a full week one breakdown of the Jacksonville Jaguars, what to expect from them offensively, defensively, who they have at each position, rookies. Newly signed veterans from free agency. Obviously, they're a team that spent a lot of money this offseason on acquiring players on both sides of the ball to increase their impact and production this fall to ultimately raise their performance ceiling as a unit after many years, multiple years of just exhausted, down, bad, ugly, pitiful, whatever adjective you want to use to describe the Jacksonville Jaguars outside of their AFC championship run from a few years ago. It's been ugly in Jacksonville, similar to how it's been ugly in Washington since basically the turn of the millennium outside of a few years here and there. But I want to get in to the Jacksonville Jaguars and who they are. For a lot of you out there who are not familiar, Doug Peterson is the new head coach in charge for Jacksonville. The name sounds familiar. He led the Eagles to a Super Bowl title in 2017 when Carson Wentz was a Philadelphia Eagle at the time. So a lot of familiar faces. Brandon Sheriff, longtime Pro Bowl, All-Pro, All-Everything guard for Washington is now the starting right guard for the Jaguars. So he will make his Jaguars debut at FedEx Field. And of course, we get the rematch of Wentz and Doug Peterson. But I want to stick on the Jaguars side of the ball and kind of focus on who they are as a team. They're not going to be the same unit that they were last year under Urban Meyer. It's going to be a completely different ball club and really a unit that I'm extremely excited to follow this fall. Someone I think that can surprise in the AFC South in a division where they're with the Titans, the Colts, and the Texans. It's a weaker division. It's top heavy with the Titans and Colts expected to be a 1-2 race for the division crown this year. But the Jaguars with on the arm of Trevor Lawrence working into year two and now with the voice of Peterson within his ears and a shoulder to lean on with talent around him in running backs, James Robinson, Travis Etienne. They have talent. They added 
Christian Kirk on the outside. Marvin Jones is back. They added Zay Jones. Evan Ingram's at tight end. They have some talent along that front five. I just talked about Brandon Sheriff. However, I do like, off the jump here, I do like Washington's chances in this game because they will need to start out hot this season. But offensively, let's start here with the Jacksonville Jaguars at quarterback. You know the name. It's Trevor Lawrence working into year two, the 2021 number one overall pick. A down year in year one, but we know this kid has all the talent in the world to become a potential top five to seven, even 10 quarterback in the NFL in due time when it all comes together and the speed of the game begins to slow down for him as his weapons on the outside begin to make it a little bit easier and also able to hand off to Robinson and Etienne 25, 35 times a game if need be. So Trevor Lawrence will be the starting quarterback for Jacksonville on Sunday as someone that I'm expecting to make a lot of progression in year two. I don't think it's going to come right away. Knock on wood that he, you know, he doesn't come out in week one and completely shred this Washington secondary. I think Washington's in a good spot, especially from the secondary, looking at William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice as your starting three corners against Jacksonville, who they'll line up with Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and a little bit of a, a rotational depth. You look behind them, Jamal Agnew is kind of a Swiss Army knife a little bit. He can do a little some stuff in the backfield. He'll uh, be on special teams, returning kicks, both kicks and punts. Kendrick Pryor, the brother from Cincinnati, and then Tim Jones was a college free agent last year. That is their receiving core. It's not even close uh, from a pop standpoint on paper in comparative to Washington. Not even close. But they have guys and veterans in Zay, Marvin, and Christian that can all compete and produce, and they have proven to do so at the NFL level. And this is a perfect scenario I know I've talked about in prior podcasts with Washington being more physical at the line of scrimmage. With these types of wideouts, I want them to do that. Christian Kirk is a guy that they want to take the roof off of defenses. He did a little bit of it when during his time in Arizona when they had A.J. Green and Rondell Moore and Zach Ertz at tight end. That's what Christian Kirk's role was in spurts. And then now in Jacksonville, he may be their number one targeted receiver because they paid him to be that guy for them. So veterans on the outside and Washington can counter with veterans in Fuller Jackson. St. Juice working into year two. I'm interested to see where he starts. I would like to see St. Juice also get some action on the outside. I know right now the plan is to start him over the nickel, but in time, I think his best days of football will come on the outside. So right now, if we're looking at the check boxes of who wins in each positional group right now from a wide receiver corner standpoint, I'm going to give the corners check to Washington here. But I want to go now to the front five. And this is where I think Washington should really dominate this game. From left tackle to right tackle, Cam Robinson, second rounder a few years ago, there was a lot of talk this offseason as far as was he going to be back? Was it going to be an addition that they made in the draft? Was it going to be via trade, via free agency? But he's back and he's their starting left tackle will be tasked with keeping Trevor Lawrence upright and keeping his blind side clean. I'll get to him in a second as Montez Sweat is expected to start opposite of him on Sunday. Left guard is Ben Barch. I 
There's no reason for John Allen, Deron Payne, Fenary Mathis, Daniel Wise to not have a field day on the inside when working over left guard Ben Barch. At center is rookie Luke Fortner. I recently wrote an article for thedraftnetwork.com. All my written work is housed there if you haven't checked us out. I like Luke Fortner at center. However, he is a rookie from Kentucky. He has experience in the SEC. But again, this is going to be his first start. And what a way to welcome him to the NFL facing guys like the All-Pro and John Allen, and Deron Payne, and obviously second round pick in 2022 in Alabama, former standout, Fedarian Mathis. You get that trio of former Crimson Tide big uglies in the middle in Allen, Payne, and Mathis that I'm expecting them to get after Trevor Lawrence early and often and clog gaps in the run game so Robinson and Etienne aren't able to get their legs churning early and making it easy on Lawrence to pick and pop here, run play action, take a couple shot plays here, clog up those gaps in the run game, force Lawrence to beat you with his arm, and then you allow guys on the outside in Montez Sweat, Shaka Tony, Casey Casey Tuhill, James Smith-Williams, allow those guys to pin their ears back and get after Trevor Lawrence. Right guard is Brandon Sheriff. We just mentioned that a few minutes ago. He is going to be their anchor along that front five. They have bodies and assets that they've allocated to that front five. Cam Robinson, second round pick. Brandon Sheriff obviously was a top 10 pick for Washington years ago. Jawan Taylor is at right tackle next to Brandon Sheriff's right shoulder. He was a second round pick in 2019. They expect a lot out of these guys. And now with Peterson in the building, a new regime. Now granted, general manager Trent Baalke is still in place for now. However, Doug Peterson didn't draft any of these guys except for Luke Fortner. So there's kind of, this is a, could be a changing of the guard moving into the future. But right now for Jacksonville, this is their front five. And we've seen these players along the front five outside of Sheriff play before and what they offer along the interior. And Washington should eat early against the Jaguars, both when they want to throw the ball and when they want to run the ball. Whatever they want to do, I really feel like the trenches now, I feel like the trenches nowadays are extremely overlooked because of how pass happy NFL offenses are. It's all about the sexy players on the outside, the sexy players at corner, these versatile hybrid safeties that can come down to this to the end of the box and then roam back and play single high and roam the numbers to numbers and make plays for you. That those are the sexy players on offense and defense nowadays, but still And since the dawn of time, since the dawn of our game, folks, the games are won and lost within the trenches. Washington has built from the inside out. It's the first rounders up front, led by Allen as their anchor. You look back, it's Jamin Davis at the second level, another first rounder. That's what you got. Those are the guys that you're going to have to rely upon. And then you look on the offensive side of the ball. Washington brought in a bunch of veterans. This offseason, Charles Leno is back. Andrew Norwell, former Jaguar. Him and Sheriff basically just traded spots. And Norwell now makes his debut against his former team, now starting at left guard. Trey Turner is expected to start at right guard. Former uh, player for the Panthers and for the Steelers. A five-time Pro Bowler and hasn't even hit 30 years old yet. The Washington has allocated assets within the trenches, and that's where they should win football games 
both this year and moving forward because that is they're going to have to. This is where their bread and butter is. Every team knows it. Every head coach knows it. This is where they have to win. And it starts on Sunday. If their defense is first on the field. Now, I'm not going to talk about their third down issues. We will talk about that more post-game, whether it's good or it's bad things to work on. We've talked about it in prior pods. If this is your first time tuning in, third down defense has been something that we've harped on from whether it's schematically or conceptually or whoever's on the field from a personnel standpoint is something that Washington is going to have to address as we move in to the regular season. But the trenches is where Washington will win football games because I like who they have within their front four and I like who they have within their front five in protecting Carson Wentz and leading the way for the run game headed by Antonio Gibson as we head into week one. So from there, I want to go to the defensive side of the ball. And this is where I think Jacksonville will have some success. I really do. I like who they have, especially within the first and second levels of their defense. Devon Hamilton is their nose tackle. Roy Robertson Harris is a guy they brought over from Chicago just a few years ago. They run a little bit of a hybrid 3-4. It almost even turns in sometimes to a 5-2, almost like a bare front that the Green Bay Packers like to run. Three down linemen, two standing outside backers along that front. I am extremely intrigued to watch Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma, especially. Devin Lloyd was their first-round pick out of Utah, and Chad Muma was a third-round pick out of Wyoming. However, those guys stand out, but of course, we get to see the number one overall pick in his NFL debut in Trayvon Walker, who had an outstanding preseason and someone that out of the University of Georgia, if you guys watched any college football last year, you know how good that Georgia defense was, how good Trayvon Walker was, how versatile he is along that front four. doesn't matter if he's aligned over the guard, doesn't matter if he's aligned outside of five tech outside the tackle or a wide nine rusher outside of the tight end. He can do a lot of different things and I expect him to be moved around a lot in week one. Is this someone that Washington is going to very key on? I don't think so right now because again, there are a lot of good players in the NFL and he's not at the level of a Miles Garrett, an Aaron Donald, a TJ Watt, a Nick Bosa, Khalil Mack level yet off the edge. He's not there yet. This is his first NFL game. Is he going to make splash plays? I think he will. I think he may even make a few on Sunday, just considering how talented he is as a defender, but he is still getting his feet wet. And the NFL is different than the SEC, and it is different than Georgia playing Kentucky or even playing Alabama on Saturday. It's very different. So he's going to enjoy some speed bumps, but him, Lloyd, Muma, they brought in Foye Olakun, one of the leading tacklers in the NFL last year from Atlanta. He's going to be roaming hash to hash, making a lot of plays. However, where I see a mismatch for Washington is in their tight ends room. I remain questionable as far as what the workload will be for Logan Thomas. Is he going to be 100% healthy? Obviously, we know how important he is in the Washington offense and how frequently Carson Wentz likes to target tight ends. And I want Washington to test Muma, Lloyd, Foyola Kuhn in a brand new defense. Test them. See how they are in coverage. Has the game slowed down for them at all coming off of the preseason? They're going to have a lot of things going on in their head that we saw similarly to what Jamin Davis was going through last year at the second level. 
Everything moves quicker. It's game one. It's week one. You got a veteran quarterback in Carson Wentz. You got a veteran tight end in Logan Thomas. John Bates is expected to be healthy. He practiced in full capacity today, which is a great sign. Cole Turner was limited. And then Armani Rogers, he's healthy. So there's a lot of options in the tight end room. I want Washington to test these young linebackers for Jacksonville. Make them work in coverage. I think Logan Thomas is a mismatch. Probably over 90% of linebackers in this league just because of how he's able to separate, how he uses his frame, his catch radius. Now, is he athletic as a Darren Waller, a Kyle Pitts, a George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson? Absolutely not. I'm not going to sit here and compare Logan Thomas to those guys. But he does understand the small intricacies of the position and how to win over in, within the phone booth and in the intermediate areas of the offense, not just within the red area and him dominating 11 feet in the air and catching balls in the back of the end zone, getting his toes down for six. But when you're in between the 20s and you're working over these six foot, six one linebackers that run four five, now granted, Logan Thomas isn't a four four guy, but he has his frame. He understands how to use it, box out defenders, secure the ball in front of him, and create after the catch. That's what Logan Thomas is best at. Even if he comes on the field and plays. of the snaps or less, it's 55, sure as hell better than zero. And I'm happy he's healthy. I'm looking forward to his workload on Sunday, but let's test these young Jaguars linebackers and see just how fast their processing has come in the preseason and during camp. Because they're also going to have to be tasked with covering guys like J.D. McKissick, on third down. They're going to have to cover Antonio Gibson out of the backfield. That's a that's a big test for Muma and Lloyd, especially as year one backers in their first game in the NFL. And you know their juices are going to be churning. You know butterflies are going to be rumbling in their stomach. And while butterflies are usually a good thing, for Washington's sake, they have a lot of veterans on this roster. The only rookie slated to start on offense is Jahan Dotson. And this is where I want to go to next because Washington's wideouts against Jacksonville's corners, I'm not going to say should be a walk in the park. I'm not going to sit here and say that and act like Washington is, is, some, is a, the offense, the capability of the Rams or the Bills or the Chiefs right now. I'm not, I'm not going to do that just yet. We're in week one. We haven't even played the game yet. But on paper, I like our guys. I like Terry McLaurin. I like Jahan Dodson. I like Curtis Samuel over guys like Tyson Campbell, like Shaquille Griffin, who they brought over from Seattle, or their Nickelback and Darius Williams, who they brought over from the Rams. And I like Darius Williams a lot. But Washington is very deep at the wideout spot. And I don't think offensive coordinator Scott Turner is going to be shy at showing off his toys on the outside, especially number one in Jahan Dotson, who looks like a player that I think in my mind could challenge all rookies for receptions and yards this fall, considering the amount of attention that will be on number 17. Now, we said the same thing last year. They brought in Curtis Samuel, they drafted Jami Brown, and we sat here talking about this last year saying, ah, a lot of attention is going to be on Terry, but they got these guys. Well, didn't work out that way, right? Curtis Samuel was hurt the entire year. Jami Brown was basically uninvolved. He was hurt as well throughout the year. But I think this year is different. And am I just excited and 
really anxious to get this season going to really see what we have on offense? Absolutely. There's still a lot of question marks to be answered. And obviously that starts under center with Carson Wentz. But the talent on the outside has to get you excited for what they can do at all three levels of the defense. And defenses aren't going to be able to, they're not going to put seven, eight guys in the box and try to bolster against the run. Like if they're playing Tennessee or New England, they can't do that, right? They're going to have to stay honest at all three levels, respecting the arm of Carson Wentz, respecting the legs of Antonio Gibson, or on third down, J.D. McKissick comes in the game. Well, maybe it's not even just third down. Maybe he comes in on first and second down. He's a threat. One of the most dynamic threats in the NFL with the ball in his hands. He's proven to do so. He he is a dynamic electric threat out of the backfield in the passing game. And he's proven, obviously, in the past that if he gets five to seven carries a game, he can obviously produce in that area as well. But I like this matchup for Washington. Force these defenders in this back end to to cover. Tyson Campbell over Terry McLaurin. I'm, I'm going to take Terry McLaurin on that. Darius Williams, where he's working over the nickel, we'll see who Washington likes to put in the slot. Usually, Curtis Samuel ends up there after doing a lot of that orbit, orbit motion in pre-snap. I, I think Darius Williams wins that matchup there with Curtis Samuel, but I'm anxious just to see Curtis at, at full speed. I don't think we saw him at all that last year. Last time we saw him doing that was in Carolina, and we all know how dynamic he is with the ball in his hands. And then on the outside, if it is Jahan over Shaquille Griffin, you look at the depth that the Jaguars have behind their starters. And talk about in Washington with their lack of depth, which scares me a lot once they get into facing these quote-unquote better teams, because I'm not going to sit here and say Washington is going to be a 12-13 win season team this year, but quote-unquote better teams on paper when they get the Eagles and they face better teams down the line and the Titans. Their schedule gets difficult, obviously more so down the road, but Monteric Brown behind Tyson Campbell is a seventh rounder of Arkansas this year that they drafted. He's coming on the field as CB3 and CB4 is Chris Claybrooks, a seventh rounder in 2020. That's their four corners. It's Campbell, it's Shaquille Griffin, it's Chris Claybrooks and Monteric Brown who had some pop at Arkansas last year. Obviously, you take guys out of the SEC, they usually can play a little bit. And then at nickel, they got Trey Herndon, college free agent in 2018, backing up Darius Williams. So they only rostered five corners right now. And you need that depth. We talk about it all the time. And Washington, if they want to bring in De'Ami Brown as wide receiver four, Cam Sims as wide receiver five, And then you got someone like Dax Milne, who has proven to compete over the intermediate areas of the offense, kind of that similar role that DeAndre Carter had last year, that Adam Humphreys had last year. He's proven to do that last year and camp this year, in the preseason this year. Dax Milne can play a little bit and you're going to need that depth because not everyone that I just mentioned on Washington's, you know, their deep arsenal of wideouts is going to stay healthy for 17 games. Someone is going to miss whether it's a play here or there, a series here or there, or hopefully not, knock on wood, a game here or there, people are going to have to step up and depth is tested everywhere. But just like I talked about with the tight ends as a matchup to look out for over their linebackers, I want Washington to test that. Now, again, it depends on how healthy Logan Thomas, Cole Turner, if he plays, John Bates, Armani Rogers, depends on how healthy 
all of that group is. We know Armani's healthy, but for Thomas and Bates, they're going to need them to be healthy, especially with Bates in the run game. But from a 10,000-foot view, I'm taking Washington's wideouts over Jacksonville's corners every day of the week on paper. Now it's just on scheming up opportunities down the field, hitting them in stride, being on time. And that's when we talk about Carson Wentz learning a brand new offense. There's going to be some hiccups. Not everything is going to be perfect from week one. There's going to be an interception here. There's going to be a mistimed route here. There's going to be a non-audible call or a pass protection he doesn't pick up early. However, when you got a guy like Chase Roulier playing center, and it allows Carson Wentz to keep his eyes on the second and third level of the defense, which we've talked a lot about on this pod. It's going to make things easier on him. Whether Washington wants to work him into a flow of the game, kind of quick routes here to the tight ends, hit Terry McLaurin on an eight-yard comeback route here, run some play action, get the linebackers back in robot coverage, searching for, searching for crossers over the middle of the field. Whether they want Scott Turner, whether he wants to get Wentz kind of slowly involved in the game plan, or he just wants him to throw him into the fire and he starts taking shots downfield. He starts asking him to hit guys outside the numbers on their back shoulder right away. We'll see if that happens. Obviously, we know Carson Wentz has the talent to do so, but it will take time. I don't expect Carson Wentz to come out against the Jaguars and throw for 320 plus and two or three touchdowns. I expect him to throw for 260 with a touchdown and maybe a pick. I think that's an that's a box score that I would be fine with if we leave Sunday and Washington wins 31-20. 31-21. I think Washington can score that amount of points against Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville, they will score points as well. They do have talent on the offensive side of the ball. This is not a walk in the park. Any game in the NFL is not a walk in the park. All these guys are getting paid. All these guys are getting checks on Monday morning in their locker. Everyone played a high level of football in college and are now here on the final 53 for a reason. All right, I'm tired on Twitter. I know you guys talk about it a lot. Oh, it's the Jaguars. Oh, it's the Lions. Well, remember on the same side of things, the Jaguars and Lions are looking at Washington saying, oh, it's the Commanders. There hasn't been a lot of success in Washington. There's no reason to sit here and think Washington because it's Jacksonville that they're gonna go in week one and stomp all over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't see that happening. If it does, great. Then we can kind of raise even maybe our expectations just a little bit heading into week two with a a nice battle against the Detroit Lions and then working into week three against the Philadelphia Eagles. But for right now, week one is here. And I know you guys are extremely excited. Again, hit me up on Twitter. I'll be on there throughout the week, throughout the game, live tweeting the game, my thoughts, You can follow me on there if you don't already at underscore Ryan Fowler. Again, all my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. This is going to wrap it up for today's episode, a full week one preview of Washington versus Jacksonville. Wentz versus Peterson. Sheriff back at FedEx Field. The debut of Jahan Dotson outside with Terry McLaurin. Jamin Davis in year two. Montez Sweat with the four games that he will have at least working on an island alone at edge with Chase Young hurt. Lots of storylines to follow as we move into Sunday at one o'clock at FedEx Field. I greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, it's been a long journey for you guys that have tuned in since I started this podcast back early in the spring. Stay with me through the draft process, 
through the off season, through training camp, the preseason, we finally made it. I hope you guys are as excited as I am. Week one is right around the corner. And as I sit here recording this on Wednesday night, we're just 24 hours away from Bills and Rams opening up the NFL slate for 2022. So again, appreciate you guys tuning in. You can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of, again, my written work is at thedraftnetwork.com. Thanks for tuning in. I will talk to you guys on Sunday evening. I will record a pod out for you on Monday morning, a full recap of Washington's hopefully week one victory over Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So everybody, enjoy your weekend. I know you all are pumped for the burgundy and gold to get back on the gridiron. I will talk to you on Monday. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.